0: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to begin today with a picture. Sometimes we can understand better with pictures than with words. I went out early this morning and planted these flags. This is 100 flags. Let's look at it again from a different angle. 200, 300, 400, 500, 800, 900, 900. If we had that many flags, it would fill the whole lawn. The flags represent the 900 people who died yesterday from COVID. Yesterday, one day. And not only do they signify the death of a person, but also 900 grieving families. 900 funeral directors who went to collect the body. 900 hospice workers, doctors, nurses, or policemen who recorded the time of death. 900 pastors and priests who were called by the 900 tearful widows, or sons, or daughters, mothers, or fathers. Church communities saddened by the news of the loss of one of their own. So if you do the math, that's thousands of people in one day suffering. And of course, this math doesn't include people who are ill, from COVID or cancer, heart disease, or any of the myriad ways our human bodies suffer. And it doesn't include those who died of hunger or exposure, people who were shot, lost their homes or their lives in the raging wildfires out west or in the hurricanes in Texas and Louisiana. This is reality, one day. If we did the math for the past six months, the number of deaths just from COVID is over 180,000. I will leave it to you to imagine how long it would take to view that many flags and imagine how many people surround each one of them. We in Concord have been generally very blessed. But the truth is, neighbors and friends, family members and parishioners have died. Other people have been very ill and recovered. Our first responders and healthcare workers at Emerson and other local caregivers have worked tirelessly. The Trinity community continues to reach out to one another through cards and notes drop-offs of food and flowers, socially distant visits outdoors, prayers and community online for worship and choir, fellowship and youth group. Walking in town, I know that most people are wearing masks and we all seem to have a sense of solidarity to care for one another. These things are all good and we may give thanks to God each day we awaken healthy and hopeful. Today's gospel, however, offers a strong caution that we not lose ourselves in a bubble of privilege and denial in the midst of so much continued suffering in our world. It's actually one of the most shocking and challenging passages perhaps not what we long to hear in the waning days of a beautiful New England summer, as we cautiously begin our limited regathering next week with a dress rehearsal and on September 20th for real. So let's go slowly to explore what Jesus's words may mean for us. Today's reading is really the second part of last week's story. Remember, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately proclaims, you are the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes, Peter, A plus answer, you are correct, that is who I am. And because you've said it aloud with such conviction, my church will be built on your testimony. On that truth. Those words are the foundation of the church, and you, Peter, will be the rock, that foundation for the future, so that this truth of who I am is a lived reality when I'm gone. We can only imagine Peter standing up a bit taller, perhaps grinning at his friends with that look of pride and self-satisfied ownership we have when we've been told we are right, or we believe we are chosen for something special, elevated, honored, perhaps with a sense that the rules no longer apply to us, or maybe that we are the one to make the rules, to imagine this future created in our image. Peter's probably picking out the carpet and the altar hangings for a huge, grand church in his imagination in that moment. But that feeling for Peter is short-lived. For Jesus then tells the disciples what it actually means that he is the Messiah. And it's not the Messiah of power and glory come to overthrow the Roman oppression that Peter and the others imagine and have longed for. But rather Jesus tells them the Messiah is the one who will undergo great suffering at the hands of those very authorities and be killed and on the third day be raised. loved Jesus as a friend and considers himself a follower, standing up with all his misguided hubris and newly imagined power, rebukes Jesus. God forbid it, Lord, this must not happen. And Jesus responds, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me. Peter, newly declared the rock on whose faith the church will be built. In front of Jesus is declared a stumbling block. You can picture the scene. Peter in front of Jesus, the rest of the disciples over there somewhere wisely keeping their mouths shut as they watch this. You, get behind me, Jesus says. You just declared that you know I am the Lord, the Son of the living God, and you are my follower, my disciple. So your proper place is behind me so that you and all the rest can follow me. The power you have been imagining suffering and death, you've got this all wrong. You've got this backwards. You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. The divine things, the things that I'm showing you with my life, with my ministry, my death, and my rising again, those things, divine things, are all about weakness, humility, facing reality, suffering, loss, and emptiness. These are the divine things you are invited to participate in. When I say, follow me to my cross, bearing your own cross, carrying the cross of those who suffer with you, There is where you will find your life, your real life, with me, always present in this, with you. Like Peter, our human desire is to avert our eyes from suffering and death, to deny that it has anything to do with us, We want, like Peter, to be special, chosen, to be leaders, to be unafraid, moving forward, denying fear, minimizing what is inconvenient or unpleasant. We want to make our church communications cheerful and optimistic, so people will say, there's a happy place, free of difficult politics, hard conversations, with encouraging, happy sermons. But Jesus today says no to Peter and no to us too. He says, deny yourselves. Deny your pride, your privilege, your avoidance of the pain of the world, your hubris, your desire for power, your systemic racism, your ugly politics, your greed, your willingness to let my children suffer from hunger, and homelessness, all of those human things, Jesus says, though they are not of me. The divine way is humility, love, self-sacrifice, hope in the face of death. By looking death in the face and seeing Christ and believing in his promise of eternal life, Following Jesus is to literally go behind him with the correct understanding of who he is. The Messiah who suffers, dies, and is raised to new life with God. And we go too, if we choose, to take that road. When we gather here in this place together, it's actually to strengthen ourselves for that journey with Christ. To remind ourselves that we are people who choose on purpose with grace and humility to seek those divine things. Those divine things again, humility, love, charity, grief, solidarity in pain with those who suffer, God's grace and faith. And we will lose our lives, our comforts, our privileges. We will suffer if we do it well, if we do it right, keeping our eyes on the cross and the one who gave himself for us. As most of you know, we are trying to regather in person in cautious, responsible ways that care for our entire community. I've heard that some of you think it isn't happening fast enough, and some of you don't like the plans, and some of you find the pre-registration process and the assigned seating and the mask wearing and the no touching to be unpleasant or unnecessary. My encouragement to everyone is to go back And look at the beginning of this sermon again. Look at the 900 flags again, with humility and prayer. This season of COVID tide will end, and we will find ourselves in both the old spaces and hopefully in some new places too, when that finally happens. But for now, May we trust Jesus that reality, grief, and hope are the path to follow as we carry this cross behind him. Patience, forbearance, truth-telling, grief, lament, prayer, prayer, and more prayer. That is how we will get through this together. Let us keep our minds on divine things in his most blessed name. Now, if you are still listening, you may be saying, okay, that's a bummer. But I offer a prayer. This is a prayer from our burial rite, but it's actually appropriate every day in this COVID time, and I would argue every day of our earthly lives. Grant, O Lord, to all who are bereaved the spirit of faith and courage that we may have strength to meet the days to come with steadfastness and patience, not sorrowing as those without hope, but in thankful remembrance of your great goodness and in the joyful expectation of eternal life with all those we love. And This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So may we be people who are willing to see the truth, to tell the truth, to live in reality, and then to grieve the reality we are living in. May we sorrow and grieve with hope, and may we come together each week, whether in this building or through the miracle of technology in your homes, as people who tell the truth. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God may we be people who follow him in love, with humility, and gratitude, for that is where we will find our lives. It is backwards to our way of thinking, but in Jesus Christ, all things are turned upside down and made new. And we can boldly follow him, trusting that in him our lives will be transformed. So sing with gusto, you at home today. It's the virtual version of an altar call. Take it away, Robert. Amen.